Brace for impact. Three simple words that proclaim to all 150 passengers on board U.S. Airways Flight 1549 on that cold, crisp New York afternoon of January 15, 2009, that their plane was about to go down in the icy Hudson River. Three simple words that churned up their fear that the next two minutes would be their final moments on earth and spurred their most heartfelt, spontaneous prayers. This is the Champion Forum Podcast with Jeff Hancher, the forum for leaders, champions, and dreamers. Welcome back to the Champion Forum Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Hancher, and your biggest fan. Many of us face uncertainty as we navigate our lives. How we choose to respond to the uncertainty is going to be a big factor in how we come through it. On today's show, I'm speaking with Dave Sanderson. Dave is somebody that literally wrote the book on uncertainty and how to navigate through adversity when it strikes. Dave Sanderson is the president of his firm. Dave Sanderson Speaks International, and he's based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. On January 15th, 2009, Dave was one of the was the last passenger off of the plane that crashed into the Hudson River, best known as the Miracle on the Hudson. This is considered to be the most successful ditching in aviation history. He has built a career as a motivational speaker, a mentor, and an author. He was named one of the top 100 leadership speakers in Inc.com and averages over 100 speeches a year from major corporations across the globe. His book, Moments That Matter, details the lessons learned from the miracle on the Hudson and how to take a potentially tragic experience, what he calls your own personal plane crash, turn it into an opportunity to survive and create your own flight plan. In his TEDx talk, Bouncing Back, Dave shares his strategies on how to grow from your own personal plane crash in order to thrive a new area of research that AARP profiled Dave on known as PTGS or post-traumatic growth syndrome. Dave, I could not be more excited to have you on the show. It's a privilege to have you on the Champion Forum podcast. Well, Jeff, thank you. I'm honored to be on with you today and excited to be able to hopefully share some insights that will help somebody uh, through these uh, challenging times. Well, there, th that's exactly it. And um, I, I believe I told you this, Dave, but Recently, I was giving a Zoom call to a, a host of leaders, a group of leaders uh, in my network that are clearly, they're faced with some challenges right now. And uh, I was talking to them about great leaders that have thrived through adversity. And I was talking uh, about Captain Sollenberger and how he handled himself as well as many of the passengers like yourself on that day. And as I was telling that story, I remembered the introduction that I had to you and I thought, who better to talk to the Champion Forum audience than Dave Sanderson, somebody that literally lived through an uncertain and challenging time. And uh, I'm really excited to kind of go into what, what transpired that day, how it's changed your life, um, as well as how people can apply it to their own situation now. So again, thank you so much for being on today. You're welcome. Thank you. So, you know, I, I, many of us that have that are on today, maybe you have seen the movie that, uh, you know, gives an account for the miracle on the Hudson. But, you know, there was a pivotal moment 
when Captain Sullenberger announced over the intercom, brace for impact, and the plane then narrowly glides past the George Washington Bridge. Dave, can you take us through that day and maybe describe the environment and how you were processing it and those people around you and kind of maybe take us from the liftoff of LaGuardia and kind of how you process that to end up waiting in uh, 30 some degree weather in the Hudson River. Well, well, thank you. Yeah, it was quite a, one of those days where you don't think anything's gonna happen. It's a normal day. Yes, it's cold in New York, but it's cold in New York in the winter. So nothing extraordinary about that. But, you know, after takeoff, you know, it was nothing, you know, nothing extraordinary about the takeoff. It was business as usual. And business as usual for me, because I didn't pay attention. I was heads down to a magazine. I gave up my first class seat at five o'clock to get on an earlier flight to get home to be home with my family earlier and put me on flight 1549. So I believe I was supposed to be on that plane for a reason. But, you know, about 60 to 70 seconds after we took off, it's when I heard the explosion. And I never heard anything like that on a plane before. So that sort of woke me up. I looked up, I looked out the window, and that's when I saw fire coming out from underneath the left wing. So I knew something had happened. You know, I flew fly and stealth fly so often, it's like, no big deal. Planes have multiple engines. But, you know, I tell people, I think that's where God's grace entered for the first moment on this flight because there's nobody on that plane in the passenger section. Only time what happened on the left side of the plane where I was in seat 15A also happened on the right side of the plane at the very exact same time. Because my belief is, and this, but other people may have different beliefs, but if we would have heard bang, bang, I think people would have thought maybe this is a terrorist attack or something different. But since everybody heard this one explosion, I believe that people said, okay, you know, you know, we'll go back to the airport. Yes, it's a little uncomfortable, but we're going back to the airport. So that point in time, I wasn't startled. I really, you know, I, you know, I just thought, you know, going back to LaGuardia. And as we started banging, and I started looking out the window, and I don't know if anybody's ever owner, you know, I'm sure some of your listeners have flown out of LaGuardia, but the flight pattern is coming, you go out over the bay and then circle north, and then you make your turns to where you're going to go. So as we were turning, you know, I, you know, I thought we'd go back to the airport. I looked out the window. I saw something I had never seen before. I saw the skyline of Manhattan up close and personal. It, you, it was, we were so close to the skyline of Manhattan. Like, whoa, I've never seen this before. And all of a sudden, we started approaching this bridge, which turned out to be the George Washington Bridge. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned, uh, the plane only cleared the bridge by roughly 400 feet because people say, well, how do you know that? I say, well, the, the bridge is 600 feet up. At that point in time, the plane was going down at 1,000 feet, descending at 1,000. So 600 minus 1,000 is 400. So approximately 400 feet to clear the bridge, which is not a lot. No. Um, and so when I looked out the window and looked down, you could see people's faces looking up at you mm. in their cars. So you're like, whoa, uh, this is pretty close. And now you don't see an airport, all you see is water. And I was like, that's the moment that uh, I realized this is probably not gonna be a good, good, good turnout experience. It's probably something's gonna happen that I may be ending up in a different place tonight. And so, you know, I, um, like, like most people, I prayed. And when I prayed and I put my head down and people said, well, what was that moment like? And when I shared with people, it was a, sort of a surreal moment oh, for me. I saw the movie of my life pass before for my eyes. I mean, it was like 4K HD. I saw things from my life that came into my head that I hadn't seen 30 or 40 years. Other, you could hear texting, you could hear people making phone calls. 
that I think everybody at that moment moment thought, okay, this is for probably not going to come back. This is it. Right. And uh, when I put my head down and for that last time, you know, it was about 60 seconds after we crossed over the bridge is when we crashed mm. into the river. And, but as we all know, he, he hit it perfectly. Yeah. And, but it was a hard hit because to keep the plane uh, uh, in the air, you had to keep somewhere between 100, 120 miles an hour. So it was somewhere south of 100 miles an hour, how the plane hit. Wow. So hard hit. Um, you know, I, I whiplashed in the seat. Came back up, looked out the window. I saw a light, but as I also saw a light, I looked out the window and the water was already halfway up. So now you know you're in the water and it's 11 degrees outside. And by the way, it's 36 degree water. So the water is now coming into plane rapidly. So, you know, that's when, you know, things started moving. The term I used that night, Jeff, was it was controlled chaos where right. people were moving fast, but no one was out of sorts. No one was pushing each other. Yeah, it was as it was as you know perfect an exit as you could possibly have because people were pushing, pushing and shoving. But when it was my turn to get out, you know, I went to the aisle. And one of the things I tell people is one of the great lessons I learned from this day, especially around leadership, is you know, and you think you might only have one way to get something accomplished in business or in life if you're resourceful. Multiple things, multiple avenues open up. So when I looked up. As I was making my way to the aisle, you could see people walking on top of the seats. And so instead of having one pathway out called the aisle, you had multiple pathways out. And I think that was one of the saving graces because now you don't have to have everybody's good getting out and they're getting out in a resourceful way. So things were moving very quickly. So but, when you, you yeah. know, I'm thinking about this environment and obviously I've seen the movie and, you know, I've read different accounts of it and so forth, but you know, quite frankly, I've never talked to anybody that was actually on the plane. And I'm sure, I'm sure you've, there's some camaraderie now between you and the other 150 passengers that were on there that day. But one of the things that you, you just said that, you know, kind of is amazing was it was kind of controlled chaos. You know, I think maybe um, you would think in a time like that, that there's screaming, there's yelling, there's, you know, panic and fright sure. and all of this. Can you maybe give an idea of, as a passenger, as you were processing your own thoughts and looking around the cabin of that plane, how would you describe it? Uh, people were moving fast. People were going, go, 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 move, move, move. I, I, don't, I didn't see anybody pushing anybody. I didn't see anybody getting out of sorts. But, you know, what happened to me is when I got to the aisle, something did happen, which changed the entire course of that day, which also changing, probably changed the entire course and direction of my life is when I got to the aisle and it was my time to go, I heard my mom. When I stood, I hit the aisle, stay in my head. She passed away in 1997. But something she said in my head is, if you do the right thing, God will take care of you. Hmm. And I tell people, I, over the last several years, I thought about that. Um, and Because I thought, my mother didn't say do the right thing. She said, if you do the right thing. Because hmm. one of the things, one of the great lessons my mom gave me, which I really didn't realize until after this, she never made me do really anything. She always made me make a choice and taught me that choices have consequences. And I try to instill this in my kids, which I probably haven't done a very good job at. But, you know, I think when she said, if you do the right thing, and it can't be the right thing, I could have gotten out and that would have been the right thing. But, you know, I grew up in a small town out of Cincinnati, Ohio, and I ran with a bunch of guys and, you know, we, we always had each other's backs. So that's why I went towards the back of the plane. I climbed over the seats to get towards the back of the plane. 
to see if anybody needed help. Hmm. And I just got behind us and I started making my way out. So, you know, I was, and back at the back of the plane, since the back of the plane was underwater, the picture you see from straight on in the plane, you don't see that, but if you look from the side, the back of the plane's underwater. So yeah. the water was about, about chest level deep in the back hmm. and it's 36 degree water. So people are moving pretty quickly to get out. Um, you know, and there's luggage floating in the water because of impact. You know, things came up and bins popped open. And so, and so the first light that I saw was on the right side of the plane. I'm like, I'm out of here. Time to go, you know. So I got out. And so I was getting out. I looked up and saw something. It was amazing. The, the, the wing was already filled with people standing on it. That little lifeboat that pops out was already filled up. There was no room on the wing of the boat for me. So that's why I was inside the plane waist deep in 36 degree water for approximately seven minutes. That is, uh, I I can't even imagine. I mean, I've done polar plunges and whatever for literally seconds. And uh, I can't imagine 36 degree water like that, especially in a moment like that. You know, I do remember one, uh, I think it was the first time we met Dave. And something, and look, the whole event is, is amazing what happened, but, and I don't know why this hit me so hard, but the first time I was introduced to you, you were telling me a story about prior to the plane landing in the water, about having the need, feeling the need to get your wallet. Yeah. Can you, can you tell our audience a little bit about how you process that thinking and what your mind was like as you're crossing the George Washington bridge and you know, this isn't going to be a safe landing. If you yeah, will. That's yeah. And it's interesting because a lot of people pick up different aspects of what happened. You know, my thought process at that point was, is I want to have ID on me because you know, what, what the, the process I did then and still do is I put my wallet in my briefcase and then I put my briefcase underneath the front seat, front mm-hmm. seat in the front of me. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I, cause I didn't want to bulked up on me. Right. Right. So, but my thought process when I, I, I heard this was the race for impact, that's like, this thing's not going to happen well. Mm-hmm. I better have ID on me so at least my family could identify me. Mm. And if you talk to a first responder, which I get to, uh, the honor and privilege of doing that quite often, they say that's probably one of the smartest things you can do. You always have to have ID on you because one of the challenges they have, if you don't have ID on you, how are they going to identify you? And if something, if you can't respond for yourself. So yeah. that, right. was a, that was an intentional move on my part at least have what but into my pants because canley i you know, I didn't i wasn't there it's like dude let's get it get on my body it's just get it on my body that's yeah. all i thought about so. and that that paints such a picture for me dave because i think that that tells the audience and and me like where your mind is in that moment like i'm sure everybody's hoping for the best but it's not every day that you're in a plane with two blown engines and you're about to land in a river that typically doesn't end well and no. you're processing like you had mentioned it you you're you're reflecting back on moments in your life you're thinking about um i need to be identified i mean you're thinking the worst case scenario and which probably propelled you even more after the event and i know you tell the story you just mentioned it you the landing happens it's a brutal landing clearly you're going well over 100 miles an hour you hit the water uh, there's impact, it jolts your body, and you see light. Now you're saying, I have a chance to live here. I mean, you're still, you still don't know what's going to happen. Water right. rushing in, 36-degree weather. Uh, but now you at least have a fighting chance to live. 
And typically, that's when pandemonium strikes. Everybody, I mean, we've seen it in so many different scenarios where it's every man for himself. People are clawing and grabbing and scraping. But in this moment, you hear a voice from your mom to do the right thing. That puts you literally in the back of the plane, literally the last passenger off. And now here you are at the door and, and maybe take us from there. You witness all of these passengers on the wing of an airplane. You have rescue coming and now you're fighting off 36 degree weather. What does that feel like? 36 degree water. What's that feel like? Well, I appreciate that because yeah, it's, um, you know, as, as I'm in there hanging out from the door in Canley, I did not know I was the last passenger out till I was on good morning America. And the first picture they showed was me hanging out the door. And I, that's when I really found out really the gravity of that. Cause so as, as you're looking out, you know, first thing you see is like, there's no room for me. So now you're thinking internally survival, right? How, yeah. what's going to happen now? But then you see the, the ferries coming in. So I'd say they're, they're the real heroes of the day. They were there within two to four minutes. They were there. So now you know you have a shot, but you're right. not out yet. And that's what I tell people, because what, what happened was you could hear people screaming to hold on, hold on, because, you know, I had the privilege when I spoke in New Jersey, um, and I have so many close friends, because I went to the New Jersey side. Uh, I got to see the rescue that they filmed from the, the, the cliffs above the Hudson River. So hmm. I got to see how this whole thing played out from the Jersey side looking down. And that plane floated down the river approximately a half a mile in 24 minutes. Wow. So as the plane was floating down the Hudson, the lifeboat was floating out into the Hudson. And I can tell people, they, like I, and probably anybody who's listening, no one reads the card, right? Who reads the card? Very few people. Yeah. That, that boat's tethered to the plane, but they didn't know that. So they were yelling at me to hold on so they could be close to the wing to get off. So. The picture that came on Good Morning America that I show is me holding on to a little lifeboat, waist deep in 36 degree water, right next to the wing, as this thing's trying to float out into the river. So, yeah, I'm sure it makes you look crazy. Like, what, what are you doing? But in that yeah. moment, it's who knows, right? You're you're literally fighting for your life. Yeah, and you know, so I that's why I was holding on to this lifeboat, and people were getting off, but then all of a sudden, you know, someone's in the middle of the wing and not moving. And my, all my training that I've had over all the years I was basically with Tony Robbins is, you know, when someone gets in those states where you just cannot, you're locked. You don't know what to do, so you don't do anything. And I tell people that could be a very dangerous situation because like that day, there was a person who wasn't moving. And so the way you, way you get people, whether you're in a meeting or a situation that's locked, you got to do something radical to break them out of it. So mm -hmm. I started yelling at this, this lady. And she's like looking at me, like, who's the old man yelling at me, right? Like, but I got her attention. Mm -hmm. And she got on the lifeboat. All of a sudden, you see people walking on the wing. And so I tell people, I said, all this, that's why I call the book Moments Better. All the moments in our life are there for a reason, that you can right. call upon them, right? And you cash in, cash in at that moment in time. But, uh, you know, I'm still in the plane, though, right? Mm -hmm. And things are going on. And, you know, the, the plane, I found out later, was actually one of the ferries. Or actually, it was a tugboat that was backing out. It hit the front of the plane and shook the plane. That actually sort of woke me up because I felt water now going up all the way up my back. And I'm like, you know, this plane's going down. It's like Titanic. Get me the heck out of here. Mm -hmm. And that's when I, I tell everybody, I thank my mom and dad. I'm sure, I'm sure glad that you made me get swimming lessons because I had to jump in and swim for my life. So, yeah, and this wasn't like a, a warm, heated pool. No, and, 
in the picture you see, you've probably seen the picture from the front, but look at the side picture or the back picture from the different angles, right? See, the plane actually broke up some ice in the river. So now you've got ice floating in the river, which is, that you can see from certain angles. Yeah. So when I start swimming in this 36 degree water, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a really good swimmer. I'm, I'm not going to be, I'm not cocky. I'm, I'm a good swimmer. But still, you, you have all your clothes day. on. We don't, you don't need to convince water, us. Right? <laughs> you know? But the other thing that people don't understand is when, the, when something like this happens, jet fuel now is, goes out of the plane. It's in the water. I got jet fuel in my eye. That's why I wear glasses now because hmm. I got jet fuel in my eye. I'm swimming to get to the ferry. So, you know, I, I mean, there's, I tell people, Paul, people think, tell me, come up sometimes and say, you know, well, I thought everybody just got on the wing and got on the boat, went home. I said, well, nothing in life is really that easy. Right. I mean, it's, you know, I, I tell people the real story is the backstory and the backstory. That's the story. Mm-hmm. You know, what you see in the movie is, you know, it's controlled. Sure. What you see in real life. And that's what we're going through right now. Yeah. We're going through a real life plane crash right now. Yeah. Everybody's going to have, everybody's happy. That's a very, very good point, Dave, is, um, which is why I so wanted to have you on. And, and we even saw this in, in the days that followed with the investigations, you know, people saying, you know, the captain could have landed this and that. And he specifically references like, you're not factoring in human uh, response and, and all of these other things. We have a, an entire world right now going through that. Now, it's going to be easier to look back on it and say, wow, if we would have just did this and did that, but people are literally in the moment right now. And, you know, this is primarily a leadership podcast. And part of our job is one, to stay calm and, and create resilience and optimism, but also to foster that to others. And one of the things that I found very interesting and, and who better to qualify it than you is the only words that Captain Sullenberger said on the descent into the Hudson River was brace for impact. And we hear about this calm that you're talking about, but I almost wonder, like, that was, you know, you could say, man, he should have said more. He should have maybe told people we were going to crash into water. He should have done this. He should have done that. I feel like looking back on that event, that might have contributed to the calm. Like, say what needs to be said, have realistic optimism, but uh, don't go overboard with fear, panic, and anxiety. How, how would you respond to that and what he said and how that maybe contributed to the calm. Well, I do think it contributed because he said the, the most he could in the minimal amount of words he had to, so because he had to focus on his situation. And I think that's part of the challenge we're all facing right now. Because the way I, I look at this situation now, it's like like a it's like a plane crash. And yeah. we all we all have our own personal planes right now that we're trying to keep up. And that's why I, one of the things I'm really talking and teaching now is you know, the mindset of a captain, whether it's a boat or a plane or whatever, is to aviate, navigate, and communicate. And, you know, if you look at those three strategies, aviate is just how are you going to keep your personal plane up in the air right now? Everything's, I mean, you maybe lost your job or your company's having challenges. You can't go out. or So how are you going to keep your plane afloat as long as you possibly can? Or in my situation, keep the boat up or keep the plane mm-hmm. up in the water so I can get out. How right. are you going to keep it going, right? Aviate. And how you do that is focused execution, just like the, the captain did that day on the plane and I did to get off the plane. It all starts with focused execution, you know? And there are times in our lives when we, we get in those situations where we have to, ex- you have no, you can't move, you cannot miss a detail because if you miss a detail, it could be tragic, whether yeah. it's financially, emotionally, physically. If you miss a step, 
and you don't execute, it can be right now it's life and death. Right. So how do you keep aviate and keep your personal plane going now? But the second thing is, all right, you keep it in the air or keep the water, how you navigate it? What, what's the course of action? So I'll tell you right now that the people who are thriving right now, and there are people thriving right now. Sure. Look at Zoom. Sure. Look at Zoom. Zoom's thriving right now. That's right. Right? How do you navigate? Is, is the person who's, who's most resourceful. The second key tenet of leadership is this. And so the people who are right now are the ones that can, are going to navigate their personal planes through this and succeed and, and gr grow and win. And, you know, and resourcefulness is the key. And that proved that day on the plane for me. It's proven many times in my life. Because, Jeff, you know this. It does, it's not about the resources that you don't have, but how resourceful you are with the resources that you do have. Well said. Well and that, said. And that day on the plane, the only resource I had, because I could control the plane, I couldn't get it down, but I could control my mind. Yeah. And my yeah. reaction. So, you know, you, you got to look at all these resources. I was just on a show, you know, earlier, and they were talking, we were talking about this point. They're in the industrial manufacturing you know, world. And I said, the, the employees, how they do this. I'm like, because right now you got to adapt. You got to be so resourceful right now and find somebody else who's gone through a traumatic life experience. Because one of the things, especially with college kids, I just had a conversation yesterday with a university. Hmm. All the kids are home. The kids are freaking out, right? Yeah. They never had to face anything like this sure. right and and my dad went through the great depression so i sort of had some perspective i said i way i approach kids right now and especially millennials is that you're going to have a tremendous experience of survival and resilience at coming out of this thing yeah so, and i said so so it comes back to one of the things i teach in my ted talk it's about you know it's about the meaning you attach to something produces the emotion of your life hmm. and emotion is your life and right now, people's meanings, the emotions are getting out of this. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's tragic. Poor, poor, pitiful me. What's going to happen? Instead of looking at correction, is, you know, what a blessing this is because I get to stay home and I get to do this. I get to do, uh, it's all about the meanings people are attaching. You have to reframe meanings. I agree, Dave. Third, I, you know, I've been telling our audience and uh, several people that I coach, you know, right now, perspective has never been more important. And how, you know, it's not what you don't have. It's what you're doing with what you have left. Yep. And I know I, I saw one, um, something that you had said once, which was, if you have the humility to prepare, you will have the confidence to execute. That's right. And I think that is a, a tremendous statement. You know, there's a lot of people going through tremendous adversity right now. You know, as you think about that statement that you made, the humility to prepare will give you the confidence to execute. What would you say to those people that uh, maybe they are battling the virus? Maybe they know somebody that is. Maybe they have been laid off. Maybe it's the, the small business owner that is struggling uh, now to make ends meet because they're not seeing revenue come in. How would that statement of having the humility to prepare, giving them the confidence to execute, what advice would you give them now? Well, I thank you. It all starts with personal leadership. This is why I really focus this. That's why I did my course on this. Because I think everything does start with personal leadership. Because one thing you realize when you're going through a traumatic life experience, whether it's something that we're going through now or, or what happened to me that day, I don't care if you're the CEO of Exxon or you're the guy putting up light bulbs. If you give certainty right now to the most uncertain people, you become a leader. Right. So, so now, so sometimes leaders have to humble themselves. And I'll give you an example from that day. You know, when all this thing was happening on the right side of the plane, one of the things that you realize is maybe there's somebody else who has a better skill set than me. 
-hmm. They can handle this thing better. And if I'm a leader, most leaders who want to be out front, they want to handle it, right? They want but the truly the great leaders are the ones who have humility and humble themselves and come back and say, you know what, let this person handle this because they can handle it more effectively than I can. I'll jump in. I so I I've got humility, so I'm preparing myself. But on the other side, that's so the next time something happens, I have the confidence to be able to execute. You know, so sometimes you have to humble yourself and you have to have humility, especially right now. No doubt. But, I mean, right, if, you don't, if you're not humble right now with what's going on in this world, uh, you need to check your door. I mean, yes, it's no question. I mean, but right now, it's all about you because right now, it's also a great opportunity to learn and adapt. It, so if you, no doubt. I if mean, you, it's, you got to have it, humility to do that. You, you have to be able to do that. It, more than ever, I would say. Yep. You know, I, I'm, a lot of my clients currently are, are small business owners um, and some even executive leaders that are you know, faced with laying people off and so forth. And, you know, what got me reconnected with you, Dave, was in, in one of the uh, Zoom group calls that I was talking about, I was telling people that one of the things that Captain Sullenberger said was he had been making daily small deposits over decades of his career. And that day, uh, in January of 2009, he made the biggest withdrawal he ever did. And I think um, that's really what you're saying here is, you know, you might not be able to do a lot of things, but what can you do with what you have left? What deposits are you making? Because this adversity is going to pass. And I think that is tremendous insight, Dave, um, in what you're saying. You know, the other thing that I wanted to ask you was your book, Moments That Matter, you talk about the personal plane crashes, and I know you alluded to it a little bit earlier, but you faced a real plane crash. And when you, when you talk about a personal plane crash, what exactly do you, do, do you mean by that? How would that apply to people going through this today? And maybe that is what you were talking about, the three steps that people need to take. Yeah, it's, I agree. Because when I, when I, I actually said that in an interview, and all of a sudden it resonated with me because when people look at me, it's like, oh, they can start relating because everybody in their life will have something, whether it's a heart attack, a stroke, a car accident, or a pandemic something's going to happen because no one gets through life unscathed. So everybody's going to have, and I just put it, use the plane crash because it's a visual. Mm -hmm. You know, people are going to see it crashing into water or land. They can visualize it. Everybody's got those times in their life when they're going down and you have limited to be able to execute. How are you going to execute? And that's one of the reasons I, I, it all starts with personal leadership because as you know, Jeff, the two key tenets of personal leadership are being restored and, the ability to solve problems quickly. Mm -hmm. And if you can do those two things, you're a leader. No doubt. In whatever aspect of your life. So right now it's about being resourceful and solve my problem. And there's now you look at, you know, how am I going to pay the rent? Well, I just like, I give you an example. I just told my daughter, she was all freaking out. How'd she go pay her rent? I said, call them up, ask them to pay half now and half in 15 days and buy you some time. Mm -hmm. I said, you got, you got to start thinking outside the box a little bit because people want to work with you. But you got to be able to solve problems quickly because right now the world's moving so fast, Jeff, as you know, yeah. man, every 15 minutes or something going on. There really right? is. And, and you have to quickly. be more decisive than we've ever been because right. information is coming fast. The pandemic is changing literally by the hour and we have to be quick on our toes. And there will be an after, um, you know, an aftermath of all of this. And again, I think of your event on the Hudson and I watched your TED talk that you've titled Bouncing Back. And you talked in that uh, talk about 
post-traumatic growth syndrome. What, what is that? And what is an example of how someone can grow through a traumatic life experience? Yeah, thank you for asking that question. I didn't, I'm going to be very candid. I never heard that term before I did an interview with AARP magazine. They called me one day, four or five years ago, where I'm sitting, where I, where I speak, and they want to interview me about this topic called post-traumatic. I said, what the heck is that? And I said, why would you even want to talk to me? I'm not over 50, right? You know, and I'm not old, right? Why do you want to talk to me? Because they said they were doing a study on me because I was one of the few people that came out of that situation, other big situations that actually grew instead of going into PTSD or depression. Hmm. So, you know, so they did this story on me. That's why I did this TED Talk because what I found out there's so many people going through depressed states right now, right now or PTSD, whether it's in the military or in law enforcement, they're going through this thing called PTSD. But I went through PTGS, I said, How did, what's the difference between me and them? Mm-hmm. And that's why I did my TED talk. So, you know, as, and I talk about, you know, how do you do that? So I'll give you an example, what really came to light and the genesis of my book, Moments Matter. So where I'm sitting right now, my wife called me, and this is about five, maybe six years ago, um, and said our neighbors down help getting the TV working. And they were two older ladies and Kaylee, you know, you know, you're going to do anything for your neighbors, right? Especially older ladies, right? You're going to jump in. So I said, I'm pretty good at turning TVs on, you know? So I went down there and got the TV work and they said, well, you stay for milk and cookies. I said, of course I love milk and cookies. Who doesn't like milk and cookies, Jeff? Do you like milk and right. cookies? Right. Love it. Right. Especially from a couple older ladies you could probably bake, right? Sure. So I'm all in. So while they're getting milk and cookies, I'm looking, they have a coffee table, and I'm reading the books, and there are pictures of World War II. And I love history, especially World War II history. I love it. So when they came back out, I said, hey, where'd you get this? This is amazing. They said, well, we were there. Oh and they rolled up their sleeves and showed me the numbers on their arms. Huh. They were concentration camp survivors, and I never knew that because they always wore long sleeves. Huh. And they were, they were two sisters that survived the Holocaust. Wow. So I said, well, you, well, you let me record this story. I mean, they were in their 70s, right? Yeah. They're probably not going to be around much longer. And in fact, they've already passed away. Hmm. But they won't let me record, but they told me the story for over two hours about what happened, how they survived, and how their whole family died. And they hmm. survived. That's why they stayed together for the rest of their lives. And I started thinking. I got back to my I said, these people, these two ladies survived one of the most horrific situations in the history of the world and survived and then thrived. So what's that mindset? You know, I, so I realized they were talking about all about their moments in their life. I said, all their moments in their life, they valued, they mattered. And that's how the, when I got to Cindy, and Cindy I said, that's, that's it. That's the all time. these moments in our life, and you, you referenced the captain, I referenced all these moments in our life, we, they're there for a reason, a purpose, and they sometimes, you just let them go, and you don't even think about them. Sure. But even, even looking if you believe in the gentleman named Jesus Christ who walked the earth, all those moments, just 40 years or 33 years he was on the earth, all those moments mattered and they were there for a reason and they're documented. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's how, that's what I tell people. So, you know, I, I tell people, you think you're having a bad day? You know, let's go over, let's go over to concentration camp for a couple hours, see what right. happens. Yeah, right? back to perspective, right? That's right. That's been my message to so many people right now is having that perspective because I do feel like perspective can get you into or away from a PTSD and get you into a PTGS, you know, growing through the trauma, growing through the right. setback. And because the setback 
doesn't define you um, in a negative way unless you allow it to. And, you know, there were 150 passengers on that plane. They all handled it differently. That doesn't right. make them bad people and you a good person. No. It's, it's how you perceived it, your perspective on it. You know, you've gone on to talk to, you know, thousands and thousands of people about that experience and helping other people. And so I think, and look, I would tell anybody, go watch Dave's TED Talk, uh, Dave Sanderson. Google Dave Sanderson TED Talk. Maybe you're going through this right now. Maybe you've gone through an event. I just did a podcast episode last week, Dave, about you know uh, working through adversity, and I talked through you know Oprah Winfrey and Albert Einstein and all these different people that had major setbacks but went on to win in a big way. This is an opportunity. You mentioned it. You know, people that have been through concentration camps, people that have been through the depression. You're now telling uh, millennials. You spoke to a college saying, "Look, this might not be an ideal situation." But this is going to be something that you're going to have uh, because I would much rather have somebody, whether it's business or whatever it is that you're called to do, I would much rather have somebody that was battle tested and ready to go win than somebody that was kind of wet behind the ears and had never done it before. So use this setback, use this adversity as a time to build up your muscles, if you will, and be prepared for the battles that come uh, because I think it will toughen some people up, but the perspective through it is going to be critical for sure. Well, I, I agree. I think, you know, if you're a champion, I know this is, you know, that's the one thing you talk about, and leaders are champions, yep. is you know, champions, one thing they do extremely well, and it's probably different, and especially top-level leaders, is that they, they use all their references. Let's see, this, is, this time in our life is a reference for us. This is a reference. Now, if you can use this reference and call upon this reference the next time you face something of challenge, you know, I survived this. I got through this. Painful but I got through it. So next I have a challenging situation. I can call upon this reference and great leaders and champions know how to call upon reference life to be yeah. able to get them through in advance, not, not stay still. Yeah. And I think it's, it's all about being the champion. Well, that's a good segue into my last question. I, I ask every guest that I have on, uh, I end my shows, Dave, by telling our audience that they've been set up to be champions in this life. What does that mean to you? I believe, you know, being a champion right now is really instilling and in, in, employing your personal leadership skills that we all have. See, so everybody's got these skill sets and I talk about and I teach about it in my course and all these things, but they don't know how to employ it because they've never had to employ it. And so, right, being a champion right now is take, taking a step back, realizing that I, I already have the skill sets. Now, I just have to use and practice them and put them in play so I can now not only in my mind think I'm a champion, but I can put it and trigger myself in the body so I can step up and be the champion at any moment in time. Because there will be a time when you got to face something, whether it's for your family right now. And all of a sudden you have to face, you have somebody who has cancer in your family and you got to be a champion for your family to step up. You have these skill sets. Champions have them, but champions, the difference is champions employ them. Mm. And that's why everybody's got, everybody can be a champion, but they just have to take action and employ it themselves and have the mindset to employ them. I love that. It's like the difference between winning and losing is not what you have, but how you deploy what you have. I love that. And yep. there, look, I mean, the reality is this. I mean, we, you're an optimistic guy, Dave. I am as well. But here's some really hard truth. There's a lot of people listening right now that did not prepare, that did not make the daily deposits, and they're suffering right now. That's a hard truth. But look, you can either say 
you can either cry about not being prepared and complain about it, but I will tell you this, the majority, not all, the majority of people that are listening to us talk right now, you have to realize this, your biggest problems that you're facing right now, there are people on this planet that are praying for the problems that you have. That's right. And, and that could bring great perspective. And so maybe you weren't ideally prepared. Maybe you didn't have six months of saving. Maybe you didn't have a plan B. Well, you can't, there's nothing you can do about that now. But here's what you can do. You can make sure it never happens again. Use this time now, like Dave was saying, to prepare, prepare yourself to be a champion. You know, I remember I used to be a boxer, Dave, and my, uh, my trainer used to tell me uh, so much about cardio because in amateur boxing, it's not really about how hard you punch. It's how, mu how much uh, lung capacity you have because you're literally throwing punches for three rounds. And that's how he would have us train. He would have us train for six rounds. Literally, all we would do is throw punches. He would set the stopwatch, and that would be it. If you know that you're going into a three-round fight, you better be prepared for three rounds. Maybe you weren't prepared for this fight, but you don't have to let that take you out. Let that be something that propels you because, and, and Dave, you know this as well, mistakes are, are valuable when you learn from them. That's right. And they, that's what they are is mistakes. But if you let mistakes continue to happen, now it's intentional. So I think we can learn from it. Dave, any closing comments? I also, I want to give you an opportunity. I mean, you've been a true inspiration. You've helped countless people to have proper mindset, to win in this life. If somebody wanted to get your material or book you for an event, how do they go about doing that? Well, I, I'd be honored to be able to serve because right now, to me, it's all about giving service to other people. Yeah. Um, and that's it's what it really starts with. So yeah, the best way, if, if you want to watch some of the things that every day I put new content out, because right now my goal is to get my, here's my mission. So here's a, in a 30 seconds, my mission right now is to teach these 12 leadership lessons that I learned from my mentor to a million people in 10 years. I made a big audacious goal. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but at least I'm going to get it out there. And I do that on LinkedIn. So if you go to LinkedIn, David Sanderson, you can at least every day get something from me of new content of leadership. And if you go to my, if you have an Alexa product, which you may hear a talk here in a moment, uh, or an Echo product, you, I have a day, I have a show that on Amazon. It's got, got voice leadership. And if you check on that every day, you'll hear something from me of new content. So this goes really goes back to what I talk about is you got to be able to talk in the modality of the person you're trying to communicate with, whether it's whether it's audio or visual. Um, but the other way is is I you know, I just told somebody else. You know, I've got a course called Cultivating Personal Leadership about these 12 principles that I use, leadership principles I use that day on the Hudson River, and I use it, I've used it for years. You know, I just, I reduced the cost to 29, and I also give them free Colby A assessment so they can understand how they think. And I'm doing that because I think people need to understand, right now they have time to listen and watch, so they get a video, they can listen, they can get the workbooks, and at least right now they can, they can work on themselves for a very nominal way, and Hopefully I can impact their lives. So those are the three ways that you can uh, hopefully stay in touch and be in touch with me. I love it. I, I absolutely love it. I always tell folks, there's a lot of things that in this life that are better caught than taught. There's one thing about watching the PowerPoint, reading the book or whatever it might be and, and do those things, obviously. But there's a lot of things that are better caught than taught. That's why you need to get around, you know, people like Dave, who's been through it. Because here's something we didn't talk about at all today. Yes, Dave uh, had the proper mindset when trauma hit. But Dave also spent, how long? 10 years with uh, Tony Robbins, right, Dave? 
Yep. 10 years ahead of security for Tony Robbins. Very honored That's to do that. That's a company to be in whenever you're looking for proper mindset, right? Yep. Uh, he holds you to a different standard, Jeff. Let's say like that. He holds you to a different standard. Yeah, right. And so, you know, you have those things. You have uh, his corporate success. Every area of his life, he's a winner. He's a champion. So make sure that you tap into what Dave is teaching and his resources. Dave, look, I appreciate you being on the show today. I wish you all the best as you help folks prepare and brace for their own impact. As far as our audience, I hope this message challenged you to have a flight plan for your own life. Thanks for joining today. Make sure that you go and review the show notes from this episode. You can do that by going to thechampionforum.com. You now have the opportunity to get these show notes emailed to you directly every week as well. So be sure to sign up for this free resource. I wish you all the best as you make the very best of the moments that truly do matter. And until next time, make sure that you never forget, you all have been set up to be champions in this life. The Champion Forum Podcast with Jeff Hancher. Lead, inspire, win.